Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good to see all of you this morning. We're continuing our series entitled Simple Life, How Simple Commitments Create Great Life Change. And last week we talked about this topic of less is more. That when you actually evaluate your life and dial back the busyness in your life, you actually, by doing less, you make more room for life, for the better things in life. And that, that was our conversation last week. And we, we kind of summarized it by, by saying, you know, you might just repeat this to yourself. Less of me, more of Jesus. Like last week, what we talked about was this, this simple, singular invitation from Jesus to come follow me. Jesus said this, he said, I'm calling you not to a philosophy, but to a person. I'm calling you not to a religion, but a relationship. Come follow me, he said. Less of me, more of Jesus. That's kind of a summary of last week. But now, what does that look like? What does it look like to have less of me and more of Jesus? What's the first step? So that's what we'll be talking about today. First things first. That's what we're talking about today. What are the first steps What's it look like in a practical sense to follow Jesus? Now, of course, uh, we're going to have to get off the hamster wheel of life. (laughs) We live such harried, hurried, hectic lives. We're so busy. That's really the mark of this culture more than any other. We, We just can't stand to be still. We can't stand to have quiet and if we have it, then we've got to grab that smartphone and watch a loop or watch something. We can't, we can't tolerate it anymore. We don't know what it means to make room. And, and so that's the first step we talked about last week. You've got to make room, and then you start putting first things back in your life one, one at a time and going, is this what I want in my life? You put first things first. But first you've got to make room in this hurried life. John Ortberg says this, hurry is not a disordered scheduled. Hurry is a disordered heart. I was looking at a, a, a booklet. I have this little booklet that, um, that you turn the page to the next day, and you can, you can do it over and over again. I've been doing it for a couple of months. I, I hope it's helping me. It's called 31 Days to Unhurried Living. And here's some criteria that they offer, like earlier in the book, like, like day one or two, it's kind of like, okay, is this you? If this is you, you're struggling with busyness, with a hurried heart. So let me just offer you these and see if you would say, yeah, that's me. Here's one. You have the habit of hurry. That's your MO. That's your way of life. Everybody knows that's me. I I have the habit. What about the word worth? The way I experience my own value is by staying busy. It's about my self-worth. What about guilt? You feel guilty if you slow down. If you take a day that you don't accomplish something, you feel guilt. What about the word fear? You fear being alone with something, slowing down, not being active, because it'll allow you to have room to think about those things you don't want to think about, those, facing those disappointments that you've been shoving down. Fear. Pressure. You put pressure on yourself to perform. And so if you're not performing, you feel like you're, 
you don't have value. Competition, here's another one. If I slow down, others will get ahead of me. Control. By staying busy, I feel like I'm controlling my life. And if I don't stay busy, my life will get out of control. And one more, maybe you've heard this acronym. This is an acronym a lot of young people throw around. FOMO. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. I stay busy because I'm afraid I'll miss out. It it also causes people uh, to be frozen in their decision making because I'm afraid if I choose this, if I commit to this, I'll miss out on that. (laughs) And so we see young people today often having trouble to to commit to a major if they're going to school, commit to marriage because what if there's a better one over here somewhere? They, their fear of messing up, I'm afraid to do this because I'll miss out on that. And it creates this harried, hurried, hectic life. But what if we put first things first? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Are you struggling with a disordered heart? A hurried heart? Because that's That's what's radiating out into your life. Um, Did you know God cares about that? He cares about your heart. And indeed, he cares about what and who you love. And, and, And this is the amazing thing to me, that the God of the universe would care about that. Deeply cares about whether or not you love him. Indeed, when Jesus had John write a letter to the believers at the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, he says this, he says, this I hold against you, you have forsaken your first love. You don't love me like you used to. He cares about that. Isn't that something? First love, first things. That's what we want to talk about today. We're just beginning this year, 2024. We're just starting to get our feet wet in this new year. Why not slow down for a minute and put first things first. That's what Jesus calls us to in the book according to uh, the gospel according to Mark. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Could you simplify the whole Bible into like one thing? You know, I, I've read somewhere that there are 631 commandments in, in the Old Testament. Could you simplify it all into one? And Jesus didn't hesitate. He gave him this simple command. And I believe today we can follow this instruction from Jesus. We can follow him and we can love the way he calls us to love. As we look at the text today, I think we'll see four ways, four ways that we can put our love of God first in our life. We can put first things first. So let's dig in. The book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that they that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is God's word. We're going to really drill down on verse 30 because that's the first commandment that he gives as a summary to their answer. And we want to answer this question, how do we put loving God first in our life? First things first. And I want us to look at those four aspects of that verse 30, to love God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So let's just start with that first one, heart. Give God the first part of your week through passionate worship. I'm just trying to put it in practical language so it's actually something you can see how to put that in your life. Give God the first part of your week, which is Sunday, right? That's the first day of the week. Give him the first part of that as a representation of the whole week. Say, God, I'm going to give you every day of this week, but I'm going to start it right in passionate worship. Now, let me unpack some of the words here that, that bring us to this first step, this first way. First, I want you to take word, notice of the word love, that we're to love. Now, this word love is not, it's not like the word love that we see in the English language. We use this word interchangeably. I love chocolate. I love my dog, and I love my wife. There's got to be a better way of communicating, but, but English is kind of, of, uh, it's kind of uh, not very uh, specific in this, whereas the Greek language was very specific. Here we have the word agape for love. The, Greek word had, the Greeks had four, four words for love, agape, uh, phileo, it's where we get the name of the city, Philadelphia. It's the idea of brotherly love, phileo. Uh, eros, it's where we get the word erotic, this is sensual love. Uh, storge, which is more the familial kind of love. But, but here is the word agape, the Lord your God. This is sacrificial love. This is God's kind of love. This is love as that which is poured out in our hearts from the Lord that flows back to the Lord. It's God's kind of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, what do we mean by heart? Uh, when we say heart here, we're not talking about the heart beating in your chest, but we're talking about the seat of the will, of the emotion, of the intellect, all of whatever you are, your heart, the center of your being. This is what... Uh, the Jews meant when they used the word heart. This is what Jesus meant when he uses the heart. And, and the fact that it starts there, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The other three really flow out of the heart. If you love God with all your heart, those other three will come behind that. And so we see that word mentioned first, which was a practice uh, in the scripture of whatever word comes first, it kind of is all encompassing of those that follow. I'll give you another example, Galatians 5, 21 and 22, where he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, all, and so forth. Right? But love is like everyone's inside of that one. But here, heart. And heart, it's like the driver's seat of your life. Like that. Like love God with all of that. And, but, but what does he mean by all? Does he mean you can't make room for anybody else? You can only love God? You can't love anyone else? Is that what it means? All? Like, yeah, you better give your whole heart. Is that what it means? Well, I think that would be troublesome because the next verse, verse 31, is the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you're supposed to have love for yourself, and you're supposed to have love for others. So that can't be it. The word all can't mean that you're not to make room for loving anyone else. So what does it mean to love him with all? I think it means to love him with priority, with first fruits, with first priority, so that everyone else and everything else you love flows out of your priority love for Jesus. 
I hold this against you, he said to the church at Ephesus. You've forsaken your first love. He doesn't say you stopped loving me. It's more like you stopped loving me like you once did. And I can tell by the way you're making room in your heart for things that aren't in alignment with following me. You're loving things of the world, and you're loving things that actually are leading you away from me. I think that this word all has the sense of first or priority. Uh, let me give you some examples from Scripture to help you understand the context of what I'm thinking. Uh, Proverbs talks about this. It says, Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And so all your produce. So the first fruits means to give him a first portion. And in giving him the first portion, you're saying it actually all belongs to you, Lord. It all belongs to you. But you know that you gave it to me so I can live. So I'm giving you the first portion to thank you and to show my love and worship of you. But I'm also saying this, it actually all belongs to you. And so if I love him with all my heart, then my love for my wife, my love for my children, my love for my grandchildren, my love for you as brothers and sisters in Jesus flows out of my priority love for Jesus. Which actually makes my heart bigger and bigger and bigger. I can love more and better because I love Jesus first. And the love of Jesus flows to me and through me to others. So that I even have uh, this agape love, which comes from God, which doesn't say this, phileo love, eros love, storge love, these kinds of words are conditional. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because fill in the blank. But agape love says, I love you no matter what. I love you in spite of. I love you because the love of God's poured out in me to you. Love God with all your heart. And we need a new heart. You can't do this in the old heart that you have received at birth. You need a new heart, a new birth. Ezekiel talks about it. This is the Lord, uh, the Lord speaking. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a tender heart, a soft heart. I'm going to take that old stony heart out and give you a heart that loves and when you, when you do this, 1 Peter says, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Put him in the driver's seat of your heart. Say, here are the keys, you drive. Put him first, set him apart. You see, worship, worship is kind of like romance. It, it's kind of like that. And, and worship can go wrong just like romance can go wrong. Like if you've been married for a while, uh, it can become Either it can land in this ditch or that. It can become too ritual, too dry. You're just going through the motions. Or it just disappears and you don't do anything. That worship can go like that because worship is expressing your love for God. Just imagine as a, as a husband doing this. He, he gets too ritualized and, and it's time for Valentine's Day. February 14th is coming up. This year, February, it's coming up on a Wednesday. So get ready, guys. And, and so, but because it's too ritualistic, the husband comes to his wife and he says, what? He says, wife, I have three reasons that I'm giving you these flowers. Reason number one, it's Valentine's Day, and I'm supposed to. Reason number two, 
is because if I don't give you these flowers, <laughs> fill in the blank of that, you know what the rest of that is. And reason number three, it's because it's expected of, of your husband to give you. So I'm giving. So these are all ritual. I'm doing my duty. So here, please take these flowers. And then the wife goes, "Thank you, my husband," because she's completely thrilled with his romantic thoughts towards her. No. No, there's got to be some creativity. There has to be some spice of life. There has to be some passion. That's then the other side is he forgets. He just forgets. And he says to her, ah. She goes, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Ah, well, I, you know I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you, Lord. Lord, you know I love you. You remember Peter? He denied Jesus three times. Remember the story? And then here's Jesus bringing Peter to a place of repentance, bringing him back to a place of where he's ready to follow Jesus again because he's broken up about it. He says, Peter, do you love me? Why does Jesus care about this? Why? Because he loves us so much. Peter, do you love me? He goes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? If you unpack it in the Greek, it's of interest. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know these things. You know I phileo you. Uh, do you love me with a sacrificial love? Lord, you know I love you with a conditional love. Do you love me with a sacrificial love? Lord, you know I love you with a conditional love. And then the third time, Lord says to him, do you phileo me? He goes, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I mean, some of us just really need God's help to get to a place where we can agape the Lord. We need a new heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Give him first things first. Give him first place in your heart. Begin your week with passionate worship. By giving him the first part of the first day of the week, you're saying the whole week belongs to you. I'm getting it started by telling you that. And worship is more than singing. Singing, as the worship team leads us, is worship, but that's not all. Worship is everything you do, everything you think, everything that emerges out of your heart towards the Lord if you're putting the Lord first. So right now, Jesus says to the hearers, he goes, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So if you have ears to hear, if, if it's going in your ears and straight to your heart as I preach God's word, you're worshiping because you love to hear God's word. And you're expressing your love. So sitting under the word being preached and taught, that's worship. Uh, bring in your offerings at the end of the service. If you're doing it, now listen, if you're doing it out of ritual, you remember what we already said about that, but if you're doing it out of love, that's worship. Hey, just getting up this morning and taking a shower, and some of us, we had to, we got up early enough this morning, we had to scrape our windows. It was cold outside. That was worship if you were doing it out of all the love in your heart going towards Jesus. That's worship. Worship is serving, giving, singing, doing all things unto the Lord. Okay. Here's number two. That was just heart. Let's keep going. Now we come to love the Lord your God with all your soul, 
all your soul. Give God the first conversation of your day through focused prayer. Give God the first conversation. See, we're still working out that all actually has to do with first part. Because if you give him the first part, you've actually primed the pump and said, it actually all belongs to you, but I'm giving you the first part. So now I'm going to give you the first conversation of every day in focused prayer, because what is talking to God? It's called prayer. So I'm going to give you the first part of, of my first words of the day. And listen, some of us need not to speak when we get up in the morning until we talk to God first. Can I get a witness? Now, some of us wake up, like my beautiful wife, she, she has the perfect name. Her name is Robin. She wakes up, tweet, tweet, tweet. She wakes up, sweet, sweet, sweet. But I'm a grizzly bear. I've always been a grizzly bear. My mom used to say when I was a little boy, she said, boy, you need to go back to bed. You got up on the wrong side of the bed today. But I've learned I don't have to be a grizzly bear. I was born a grizzly bear, but the Lord's given me a new heart. Now, what I've learned is I need to talk to Jesus first before I talk to anybody. And it helps if I have a cup of coffee in my hands, too. I need to get that first conversation to Jesus. We're on the word soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. The soul is the unseen self. Scientists can't find it. The materialists deny it. But we believe that we have a self that is apart from the body. It's whoever you're talking to when you're talking to yourself. It's the soul is the seat of the will. It's the, it's the part of you that says, I. The soul. And the soul, as the unseen self, was made for communion with the Father. And being apart from God gives you a break in that spiritual life that you're dead in your spirit. You're dead, born dead apart from God until you're born again in Jesus. And then, and then that person, that new self wants to talk to the Lord, and that's called prayer. Notice how Jesus began. Uh, okay, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And he begins with the most important of all is hero Israel, the Lord your God, uh, the Lord is one. That's called the Shema. The, the Jews, they, they prayed that three times a day. You can find it in Deuteronomy 6. Jesus is just quoting what every little Jewish kid knew, the Shema. They would sing it. Children could sing it. They all knew the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Akkad. Shema, hear, O Israel. The Lord thy God is one God. They knew the Shema. They knew, they knew how to pray to the, to the Father. And so, so to to really activate your soul, to have your soul flourish. David says, my soul pants like a deer after water. To really uh, feed your soul, to nourish your soul, you need time talking to the Father. You know, last week we said uh, Jesus invites us to follow him. He says, come follow me. So what's that look like? Well, what does Jesus do? How does he start his days? Let's look. Uh, book of Luke, chapter 5. But Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. Mark chapter 1. Very early the next morning, Jesus got up and went to a place where he could be alone and pray. Jesus had a good habit. He started every day talking to his Father. He'd get alone. That's harder for some of us. 
It's hard to carve out time, but it's worth it. Less is more, first things first. Carve out space to do this. You, you might, I, I just don't have time. Remember, a hurried heart is a disordered heart. Why don't you have time? It's because you're putting other things ahead of Jesus. It's because I'm, I'm, the reason I'm, I don't have time is because something else deserves my time and my thinking more than him. What? I hate to admit it, but that's sometimes me. Would you admit that too? That you don't always love him with all your soul. You don't always start every day talking to him before you talk to even yourself. By the way, talking to yourself is probably the last person you ought to start the day talking to. I think it was Dr. Charles Stanley that I first heard talk about this, and I've used this imagery from time to time. Sometimes it helps to inform your body of what you're praying because it kind of, uh, it kind of solidifies it so your mind doesn't wander. And so he, he, he would say, before I even get out of the bed, I would turn my hands over like two cups and place them down on the bed and say, Lord, I now empty myself of, of, of myself. I confess my sins to you. Is there anything in me that's dishonoring to you today that you want to bring to my attention? And just be quiet. Then he'd turn his hands like this. And he'd say, now, Spirit, fill me afresh with your power and your wisdom for this day. Give me direction for this day. Give me strength for this day. And then climb out of that bed and go after it. That doesn't take long. That's helpful. You do you, do you though. You find out, what do I need to do to get alone and talk to God. When Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 1, he had just, he had just uh, healed a bunch of people outside uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house. In fact, he had healed her, his mother-in-law, and then all these people showed up in a line, and he, he healed people till dark, but then he got up before the sun came up and went off by himself to pray because he had discharged so much of his vigor and strength and spiritual essence. He needed, he needed the Father to recharge his batteries, and so he probably wanted sleep too, but he knew he needed time to feed his soul more than he needed sleep for his body. So he got up early, and he started talking to the Father. And then he hears people going, Jesus, Jesus, and it's Peter leading the way. Lord, why have you been hiding? We've been looking for you everywhere. There's a long line of people. They've already showed up. Susan's son came up for you to heal. Peter's already got plans. I know what we're going to do. We're going to plant the church right at my mother-in-law's house. That'll make her happy. And I will, if she's happy, my wife's happy. And so he's got plans. And Jesus says to him, my father has sent me to other towns. I've got other places to go. We're not even heading back to your mother-in-law's house. And Peter's like, uh-oh. Probably shouldn't have told her that then. Right? You know what Jesus got? He not only got nourishment, he got direction for his day. He knew how to say yes to the right things and no to the right things. Sure, there was need there. Sure, people were pressing in. Voices were calling to him. He, know which, he knew now which voices to say yes to, which voices to say no to. If Jesus needed that, what about me? What about you? First conversation through focused prayer. First things first, give God first place in your soul. And when you dial him up in the mornings, just, just leave, it, just leave the, the thing open all day. Don't hang up. Then you can fulfill 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. 
You can talk to him all day. Hey, Lord, did you, did you see that? Did you hear that? You just keep talking to him all day long. Number three, keep moving. Number three, give God the first thought of your day through biblical meditation. Give God the first thought of your day through biblical meditation. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Mind, that's the seat of understanding, of desiring, of imagination, of intellect, of the mind. Loving God with all your mind. So Christianity is not ignorance, as the materialist would say or the atheist would say. In fact, it's you're invited in Christianity to a transformation of the mind and, and to actually gain knowledge and wisdom from the Lord. It's actually a pursuit of the mind. To love the Lord with all your mind means to say, I want to know you better. I want to study your word. I want to get it in me. Because I want the word is what God uses by the Spirit to transform your mind. So you get rid of your stinking thinking and you get a transformed way of thinking, a, a, a new way of thinking. In Psalms, David writes this in Psalm 1-2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now for the Eastern religions, meditation is about emptying yourself. But for Christianity, meditation is about filling yourself with God's Word. And the Hebrew word for meditation is literally to chew on to chew on and gain all the nourishment out of it so that you have to take it in. So you have to take God's Word in and then to meditate on it, to chew on it all during the day. And one of the things that you'll find is if you'll begin every day in focused prayer and every day in biblical uh, meditation, reading a little bit of God's Word or how much you have time to read, but read until God speaks to you, that, that those words will come back to you during the day and they'll be encouraging or helpful. Or the word might have not been for you. You might be talking to someone uh, that has a need in their life. And those words, the Holy Spirit will bring them back to you. And they'll start coming out of your mouth. You'll be like, and that person will be like, how did you know? And you'll be like, well, I really didn't. It's just like the Lord gave me that word this morning. And I guess it was for you. But you wouldn't have had that word for that friend or that loved one if you hadn't have put it in and meditated on it and chewed on it first. And now it's in you. Now the Holy Spirit can flip through uh, the, you know, the index cards in your head there and say, here, say that to them. That'll help them. Your advice won't help them, but this will help them. Like that. But you've got to put it in. Be creative. We've led several trips to Israel through the years. The last time we went, we weren't able to do this because there was construction work going on at the Temple Mount. But, but on the southern side of the Temple Mount, leading up to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, there are 15 sets, uh, sets of steps that lead up to the Triple Gate. Some people call it the Golden Gate, but the Triple Gate. And, and so going up those steps, there's 15 steps. And, and so pilgrims that come there creatively, I think this is wonderful, they often read aloud the Psalms of Ascent. There's 150 psalms, but 15 of them, Psalm 120 through 134, are titled Psalms of Ascent. Psalms meant to be sung or read while you're going up the steps to Mount Zion. And so they'll stand on the first step and read Psalm 120. Then they'll stand on the next step 
and read Psalm 121, like that. Just creative. You can be creative too. You, you don't live in Jerusalem. You live in Wilson, but you can put some ear pods in and you can listen to God's word being read to you. There's all these apps you can get for your phone. You can get the YouVersion app. Uh, if you want to get the one-year Bible plan, you can get that through YouVersion and you can actually hit the button. It will read to you aloud and you can listen to it. And some of us say, well, I don't like to read. There, you, no excuse. You can still get it in, right? You can get in some exercise at the same time. That wouldn't hurt anybody, would it? Right. Be creative. Meditate on God's Word. First things first. Give God first place in your mind. Love Him with your thinking. He wants you to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Memorize, journal, read, listen. And number four. Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind. There's one left. All your strength. Give God the first part of your substance through joyful offering. What is strength? What is that? What is that? It's effort. What's the evidence of your effort? It's whatever you produce. Do you produce artwork? Do you produce music? Do you produce, do you build, build stuff? You know, what do you do? Are you an administrator? Uh, what do you do with your effort, your strength, and how can you give him the first part of it? Now, back in the day, you would have given him your firstborn lamb or your first of your cattle or the first of your produce. Or, but today, it would be the first of your income. That's how we make a living today. But not just that. Don't limit it to just to that. But it starts with that. I think it does. To give God, to say I love him with all my strength means I, the produce of my effort, that which I exert, I give him the first part of it. In doing that, I'm basically saying all that I have, even my physical ability to be a teacher, to be an administrator, to be an electrician, to be a banker, to be a mama, to be a daddy, whatever I do, he gave me the ability to do it. So I'm going to give him the first portion back. And that says to him, it's all yours. I love you with all my strength. But you know, Lord... I have, to ha I have to eat, I have to sleep, I have to have a roof over my head, I have to, do, have to take care of my kids. The Lord knows that, but when you give him the first part, you're saying it's all, it's all yours, Lord, like that. And you do it with joy. Uh, it says in Proverbs 3, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. That's how you honor him with all. How? By giving him the first. By putting him first. Uh, Paul gives us some instruction in both letters to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, he says, You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He says, Give not under pressure, but to give cheerfully. Then in 1 Corinthians, he says, Every Sunday, each of you... Uh, should make an offering and put it in safekeeping. Be as generous as you can when I get there. This is Paul speaking. Then you'll have it ready and I won't have to make a special appeal. So I, I pulled like four thoughts out of those two verses. Like, give thoughtfully, give cheerfully, give generously, and give regularly. So not just financially, but in everything that your strength represents. That, that word cheerfully uh, is, is a great word. Uh, God loves the cheerful giver. The word is uh, hilismos. Or, uh, it, it's, where we, it's the root for hilarious. You should give till it cracks you up. I really like that. 
that idea that that's the kind of joy you should have. But, but when we think about giving, it's not just of our money. It's of our time, talent, and treasure. It's of our calendar. It's giving them a certain amount of time of, of your life. Your talent, what God has, has given you in your talent. So it's not just serving in the church. I heard Brother Mike earlier in the greeting talk about that at our church, uh, we, one of the reasons we have two services is so you can serve one, attend one, or attend one, serve one. We actually have four services because we have one next door happening at the same time this one is happening. So there's four opportunities uh, to, to attend, but we want you to also serve. So we, we, we are looking for people to serve on our greeter team, our usher team, our tech team, our worship team, our children's teaching team, uh, our nursery team. These are all things that are necessary in order to have God's worship every Sunday. We're looking for people that are willing to serve one, attend one. We don't want you to miss church. That's why we have more than one service. It's one-stop shop. You can go to, go to church on Sunday and do both. You can get all your worship in and all your worship out like that. Uh, but, but it's also worshiping God with your strength when you teach kids at school, if you do it as unto the Lord. When you, when you administer at the bank you work at. When, when you work as a construction person or, or an electrician, if you do. Colossians says... Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. So it's not just church work. It's anything you do with your strength to love God with all your strength so that people know you're giving glory to God. First things first, give God the first part of your strength. This is what we're talking about today. What's it look like practically to follow Jesus? It's to put him first, to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, not just theoretically, but practically. Let's pray. Lord, I first pray for the person that's never said yes to your invitation. There are people here this morning, they've never said yes to your invitation to follow you. Is that you, my friend, right where you're at, right in your seat? Would you say yes to following Jesus? You can do that right now. Just pray along with me. Let this be your heart's prayer if it's your desire. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm tired of being on my own, living my life on my own. I need a new heart. I need forgiveness. I have a hurried heart, an anxious heart. I need a new way of being. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, that you were raised from the grave, that you live today. Come and live in me. Give me a new heart. Forgive me of my sin. Adopt me into your family and make me a child of God. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. If you're praying that prayer of faith, believing, he'll save you. He'll adopt you into the family. He'll give you a new heart. Others are here, and you've, you've received Jesus. You're a Christ follower, but... You've gotten some stuff out of order. Would you repent right now and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not loving you first in this area. And name it to him. There's an area. I'm loving something of the world or something of my own plans. I'm not making room for you. Forgive me. I know you have already forgiven me in Jesus' name. Just wash me afresh. Renew my heart. Help me to follow you 
with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen.